Welcome to the My Life is the Medicine podcast, where we get off the never-ending search for more and take an inward gaze to find how our lives have already taught us profound truths. Rather than turning outward to experts or gurus, we talk with ordinary people and reflect inwardly about the life journey and everything felt, thought, and experienced along the way. Join us in casual conversation and reflective dialogue to discover how simply living a normal life, reflecting on our own life experiences, has already given us all the expertise we need. Hosted by Chuck Hancock, an ordinary human who has lived life in many roles, like psychotherapist, software engineer, school teacher, orphan, adoptee, father, brother, mentor, coach, ceremonialist, and more. Chuck is a weaver of wisdom from modern day psychology to ancient wisdom of indigenous and European roots, creating alchemy from everyday modern American life. Thanks for joining us today in the second part of our conversation with our guest. If you missed the first part of the conversation, you might want to go back and listen to that one first, or at very least read the show notes so you know who it is that we're talking to. But I think that you'd be really well served to check out that first episode. So if you haven't heard that one yet, go back one episode and listen to the first part of the conversation to hear the foundation of where we're coming from, and then come back to this one to dive into the rest of our conversation, exploring how our guest's life has provided them with so much medicine for their own life and the rest of the people that share it with them. So don't miss the backstory. Go check that out and come back. We'll be here. And if you're ready, here we go. I also want to honor you too, Alex, for like this relational responsibility that I feel like you demonstrated with the question. I asked you a really vulnerable question, you know, currently obviously in a relationship with a mother of your children and, you know, touched into some emotion at the beginning of our uh, conversation here around that and honoring your parents and, and all the things that come out in their divorce that like you found a way to answer the question that also was respecting your parents and, and your partner's um, um, being, for, I'm looking for a better word, uh, but without sharing too much of their vulnerability without their consent, which... I, I th- it's a beautiful skill that I just saw you do. You yeah. know, that like sometimes we can be like, all right, I'm just going to be throw it all out there and yeah. be really raw and vulnerable. And yeah. but that might be disrespectful to our own soul, our own psyche, as well as the people that we're talking about. And I yeah. really saw you navigating that well. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. I, actually, coming into this talk, having concern for that. Yeah, you know, knowing that they're not here to speak for themselves, and just like this is this is what my experience was. Yeah, and what I'd noticed a lot of it. Yeah. Um, and I, I think that also goes to speak to what other people may be going through. Right. Is that it can be tough to feel a certain way and maybe have a conversation with someone who's involved in it and they see it completely different. Right. And they can both be true. Right. And to hold like those paradoxes can be like really difficult. Right. Um, but just to like to know people are where they are and, you know, their journeys can be very different. Mm-hmm. And um yeah, it doesn't have to be like that aggressive, violent kind of like you have to see it my way. Right. And just to accept people's differences or you know, their viewpoints, those kinds of things. It's been a big learning lesson for me because there is, I think, a big part about control for me. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, it has to be this way. Exactly. Yeah. And that's, you know, another thing that I was running into in like my, my corporate world, you know, in the management type thing. Mm-hmm. But I had some really great mentors that I feel grateful for mm. that, um, 
you know, would bring to my attention, you know, what my actions were. Right. Coaches and, um, yeah, project partners, those kinds of things. Mm-hmm. That uh, just started having me question, like, what my reality really is and what other people's realities are. Mm-hmm. It's so interesting when, like, they can be running at this exact same time and seeing such different things. Totally. Yeah. I think that like I, I like to think of and speak about like having a, a big container and holding a big container and and I think it takes that to do that like it, you simultaneously you can um, have your own thoughts and feelings and judgments about someone but then to also be able to have that curiosity and compassion that you're speaking about and and not other them and make them a bad guy or a bad girl mm-hmm. or yeah. whatever mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, takes a really broad container. Um, it does. Yeah. yeah, and I think a big challenge of the world today is that like we have so much going on that we don't always have the capacity to understand somebody else's perspective or experience. Right. That we just have to go by what we know to be our reality and truth and then just apply it to everybody else. Right. And not knowing that other people are coming in with their traumas or their filters or their preferences and like they might just be as legitimate as our own. Right. Like how do we interact Mm-hmm. And and how, what do these dynamics create? Mm-hmm. It happens in parenthood. It happens in you know relationships, right? And business and those kinds of things. So right. For me, that's been like the invitation as to like where I need to slow down, mm-hmm. you know, where I need to meditate, where I need to like, you know, have those spaces in between stimulus and response, right? right. Where I can say like, hey, what's what's really happening here, and what do I want to happen? Right. That's another thing. There's like some some choice and some empowerment there. Definitely. Yeah. You said aggression and violence a moment ago, and it made me curious, especially with, as I was sharing, how I actually view my son's involvement in tackle football to be a really good thing for him, um, even though it is aggressive and violent. Um, when you look back at your experiences in, in rugby, um, like how do you view that now? Obviously, you had to, you said already that you had to kind of get into your body and feel in a really big way and, and it helped to break you down and, and change a little bit. But I yeah. wonder like what else you'd say about your experiences with rugby that have really mm. taught and shaped you? Oh, great question. Especially the aggression and violence. Perhaps, yeah. You know? Yeah. Well, let me preface that by saying I have been through like a lot of different stages in life. And the sure. one that I came into rugby was I was overweight. I was smoking eating fast food all the time, playing video games and really unhealthy. And the girl that I was attracted to at the time liked all the jocks. I hope that's not a derogatory term. Maybe, (laughs) or the people who played sports. So I started exercising and I lost about like 50 pounds in a year. Um, And like after a little, uh, and then I went to prom with her. So mission accomplished, external validation, supporting my ego felt really good. Yeah. And then, Working out became a bit of a bore and people would come up to me at the university that I was going to asking if I would play on the rugby team. And at that time it was just a club sport and it was just, you know, probably more of a drinking team with a rugby problem uh-huh. than, a, than a rugby team with a drinking problem. And, um, I, the, like the aggression and the violence was so celebrated and I had so much repressed anger mm. in me that it was this cathartic release that I could like run full steam into somebody to either tackle them or if I had the ball, 
you know, to run over them, to try to score. Mm-hmm. And like, and people like loved me for it. And I was mm. like, yes, great. Like, you know, this is a way where I can feel worthy and welcome. Uh-huh. And it brought me to all places of the, the country and the world. And I started a school in upstate New York, but the first game that I played was at Tulane University during a Mardi Gras tournament. And then mm. we went to uh, Florida State University and played there. And just like, I, I played in New Zealand and in England. Um, and with some incredible players, you yeah. know, some like the youngest signed professionals in Australia, um, some people who play like just top tier, you yeah. know, like representing their country, paid professionals, all kinds of things. And then in college, you know, like people who went on to become like very successful lawyers or accountants and things like that. So it just gave me some great exposure to these people, but it was always like this place where I could go and really release like violence. Mm. Um, and and it also brought in injuries. Mm. And those injuries also brought me to great therapists, mm. you know, to physical therapists, to um to to different doctors to help put me back together so I can play the game again. And that felt like a good support system. Mm-hmm. And it also felt conditional. Like I got mm-hmm. the support if I played. Mm. And if I didn't play, it wasn't necessarily there, but also found like a, a feeling of brotherhood right. and belonging. So like there was pros and cons to both sides of it. Sure. You know, it all kind of comes out as a balance and in the wash. And, and great accomplishments too, you know, things that I could either put on my resume or CV saying that I've, that I've done, uh, a sense of resiliency in myself to say that I could train so hard, I could run next to these people who like played such top, you know, tier, um, you know, and just go to all these places. But a story that I wanted to share uh, occurred to me in New Zealand, which is like a country of 8 million people. Mm. And rugby rugby union is like their national, you know, sport. Oh, interesting. Almost like every parent wants their child to grow up to play on the national side, which is called the All Blacks. Huh. And it's because of the color of the uniform, not because of the pigment of their skin. Sure. Um, and there was somebody that I ran into in New Zealand who really enjoyed fishing. And... Um, was one of the best rugby players in the country and was offered to represent their territory, was like on the track to play for like the All Blacks. But they just had such like an awareness of self mm. that they they didn't feel a calling to do that. Mm. Even though there was all like this social pressure and familial pressure for them to do it. Right. Just the fact that they could sit in themselves and be like, you know, I just, I love being on the water. Mm. I love catching some fish. You know, it's a simple life. And I, I don't feel, you know, a calling to do that. I was like, how, how could you not? Yeah. You know, like at the time it was the number one team in the world. Wow. Very small country, but like dominating in, in many different aspects. And there's this person who has like an opportunity to go do it. But like, I don't know, just that self-awareness to say, no, it's not for me. Mm. It's a, a story that continues to like resonate with me. Right. That, um, yeah, it's not necessarily what people are saying on the outside as to what you should do, but like just find, you know, what that is in yourself that you want to do. Right. And how you want to contribute to the world or how you want to exist within this world. Right. Yeah. I feel like that must take tremendous courage to have the ability, have the social pressure and potential like esteem and, and, and glory and to be able to know yourself well enough to say, no, I actually just want the simple life. Thank mm-hmm. you. This yeah. is actually what feels more in alignment for me. Yeah. Yeah. Like, wow. Yeah. I'm like, what are the elements that contribute to that? Yeah. Like how does somebody feel so secure in that decision-making when there's all these other influences right. that are saying, no, you should do this. Right. 
Do you have an answer to that? I, I don't. don't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. But I think I some of it, like, uh, my hypothesis, my guess, is that some of it goes back to parenting. Yeah. You know, and to, like, teach a child to learn themselves so mm-hmm. much. Now, like, that they can they can deal with all of the, the swirl that's going on around them. And they say, no, this is who I am. This is what I want. Mm-hmm. You know, and it starts from, like, oh, the child is hungry. Let's get them food. Or the child is hurt. Let's hold them. They're tired. Let me help you sleep. You're overstimulated. Let me help you relax. That, um, yeah, unfortunately, I feel is largely missed in, right. like, the education of parenting as well as into, like, the education of children, mm-hmm. which is where I feel like some of my calling will be. Right. Either as a therapist or, you know, creating group programs, those kinds of things. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah, I want to name, too, this other pattern I've noticed with you and, and my last guest, and, and it's, it's been true for me as well, that you, um, there, there was there was a woman involved, actually, as part of your motivation, even like, <laughs> all right, I'll, yeah, I want this this woman, and, yeah. and, uh, and she's not interested in me because I'm overweight, so I'm actually going to go get involved in rugby, and how that actually led you into this stage of life that had a lot of pros and cons, as you right. said, uh, a lot of huge life lessons for you. And in the end, it even, it wasn't even about that woman in that relationship, no. I think is what I heard. Right. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But, but that was, was like, the, that was a catalyst. Right. There yeah. was a motivation there. Yeah. Um, yeah. And there's been a, I think a bunch of shiny things that I've been chasing. Yeah. That, um, I think speaks to like ego. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then um, has brought me to places of whether it's injury or, you know, chronic issues and those kinds of things. And now looking not to to follow those shiny things, but glad that they were there. Totally. I really needed that. Right. I really needed like that, that celebration. Right. You know, like that feeling of worth and value. And and some of it, like even like that bonding, you know, like that brotherhood. Right. Like, I really needed that. I didn't know I needed it, but it just felt good. So I went that way. Exactly. And now I find it in different ways. You know, like walks with you and connection, you know, right. deeper connection, you know, talks about spirituality, processing emotion, those kinds of things. Like, Absolutely. Yeah, I need those things too. And I can even find brotherhood in that, mm-hmm. you know, without the the concussions, without the stitches. <laughs> it <laughs> yeah. seems a bit more sustainable. Right. Yeah. Right. Since we've been talking about masculine and feminine, I want to take that a little farther and, and you know, say that like, Sometimes in in the social media narrative, at least, that could get a bad rap of like, you know, women don't want to be like the source of our inspiration as men or or the the outlet uh, for our desires or connection or that sort of thing. And and I think that, yeah, if if we're solely looking to a woman for that, it can definitely be problematic. Mm. And yet, like what you're saying... I I believe is, is actually kind of a healthy thing. And in Jungian psychology, we talk about how... Um, sometimes women become the recipient of our projections of like, mm. there was this inspiration within you that you were able to see and you thought it was because of this woman. Right. But it was probably some calling of your own soul of like, actually, I need to go on this journey of getting in shape and playing rugby and having this brotherhood. At the time, you thought it was about this woman. Totally. But it really wasn't. No, no. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, definitely. And also to clarify, like when, when I speak to masculine and feminine, not, you know, to, to genders. Of course. That like even, you know, the, a female um, or someone of non-binary right. um, identity may have a masculine and feminine component to it. Totally. And absolutely having like my mind blown lately that like that there was all these subconscious motivations you know in in chasing a partner right or things that like i didn't realize it happened 
Hmm. And with like this engineering mind or just like this constant curiosity as like how things work mm -hmm. to dissect those parts and be like, oh my, that's so crazy how that worked out. Exactly. I can't believe that. Like what I was really chasing was this. Exactly. You know, like maybe it was a superficial type of thing. Maybe it was like th something on status. Right. But then also using that as a learning lesson and say like, yeah, that's going to get me into the same place it got me before. Exactly. And uh, again, like that, that sense of power and choice of mm. knowing like, oh, that's not the path I want to go again. You know, mm -hmm. this is more of like the material that I'm looking for, the, the energy that I need, you know, at this point in life. Mm -hmm. yeah. Absolutely. I, I love that you have that awareness that sometimes it's not as it seems. It kind of reminds me of a conversation we were having on a walk recently about like goals and accountability and things like that, that like I've grown a little skeptical of. I don't throw it totally away because it's very helpful, I think, as a direction setting device. But then as you're hearing in your story, I think too, is that so, things are not as they seem. Like sometimes what we think is our, our drive and our motivation turns out to be something totally different, mm -hmm. like after we've been through the process and can actually reflect on it. Right. If we take the time to reflect on it, right. we don't always do. Sometimes yeah. we're always on to the next thing. So it's, yeah. I'm glad that you, you've been doing that. <laughs> yeah. And, and there's different parts in life that I think have been reinforcing that. Mm -hmm. You know, you, and it could be exhaustion and just like time to reflect, meditation, mm -hmm. things that like I, I think I've tried steamrolling in the mm -hmm. past, like mm -hmm. even the change in seasons, mm -hmm. you know, and that like we're coming into winter right now. Right. And, and feeling like, yeah, it's a time to slow down, that I, I can't just like keep, keep cranking at all these things. Yeah. And um, yeah, I feel that sometimes it can be against, you know, I, I had moved from the New York City area to be to, Colo uh, to move to Colorado, slow some things down. Um, and sensing that there was like some influence against that, some energy and force against that slowing down. Like New York City is this city that never sleeps. You've mm -hmm. been there before. You, yep. you feel what it's like, you know, whether it's the mechanical worm that operates underground constantly delivering people to their locations or just the neon lights that are on. Mm -hmm. um, there's, you get that vibe that's just go, go, go. Right. And uh, coming to Colorado, being in nature more, uh, being around others such as yourself who like also encourage that reflection or embody that, you know, are great examples has, has been inspiration to me and, and even permission to me to, to do that. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. The thing that I've had to learn in my life is the, the go, go, go often is a defense in and of itself, yeah. you know, a, a defense against feeling, a defense against reflecting, mm. a defense against listening to our own soul, of realizing, yeah. hey, we might be go, go, going in the wrong direction. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Which is really humbling to, if you could realize that. Totally. Yeah. Haikomi and like uh, their character strategies and character maps, too. A mm -hmm. good way of describing this industrious over focus exactly. uh, persona that mm -hmm. uh, measures their worth and activity. Or, yeah, measures their worth and value in activity and productivity. Mm -hmm. And I could strongly identify with that. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think that that was also encouraged, you know, in, in different different stages in life. Definitely. And also that has its limitations. You know, at right. some point there's like the collapse and I can't do anymore. Yeah. And just like wanting to find what it's like to be instead of do. Exactly. Yeah. And also honor that. Like it served me really good. Of course. I made a lot of money in New York. I, I, I won national championships, you know, playing rugby and like some, some great things that I had, but it, there could also be other ways. Mm -hmm. It doesn't have to be that way. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's not that it was wrong to engage in, in those things by any means mm -hmm. and to, to really have the courage to see what it really was. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. 
Yeah. I'm curious if there's like a character strategy that like you've, you know, resonated with or identified with, or just that you see, you know, common in others that you work with. Um, well, I think to talk about that, we'd have to talk about all the character strategies. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Don't want this to be a lesson in that, but, yeah. um, you know, since you're asking about me though, I will briefly share that primarily with my early childhood trauma around adoption is the sensitive withdrawn. Mm. Um, um, but like you, I, I, growing up in the South, I learned how to, um, create this tough, masculine, uh, mainstream driven persona, um, to cover up the sensitive withdrawn strategy. It was only through going through Hakomi and my own therapy for many years that I really learned that that was at the root of it. And, mm-hmm. um, and I don't, they didn't talk about this in Hakomi, but, um, it's been my personal experience, uh, that, with the early childhood trauma and being more of this like sensitive withdrawn uh, character type and, and not knowing who my identity really was, like there's been many times in my life that I've really taken on a lot of different identities and different character strategies. Mm. So definitely the industrious uh, that you're speaking of, because I think it's a part of our culture. It was very yeah. easy one to take on. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, sometimes the 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 burdened um, strategy, mm. the dependent strategy as well, mm. needing like, hey, who's going to love me and take care of me? Right. And, you know, I've definitely had experiences with all the character strategies. Um, and, and I think a lot of us do. Um, but uh, for me, it's definitely, I feel like it, there's been moments in my life that have been very strongly in, in, in most of them. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I can certainly relate to that. You know, just how like... Yeah, different stages and needs in our lives. You know, we learn to adapt to those. Right. You know, and, and sometimes it's a matter of survival. You know, mm-hmm. we need to do that, you know, mm-hmm. or just a feeling of safety, you know, to either fly under the radar or to feel a sense of belonging. Right. Those kinds of things. And I remember first learning about those strategies, like having judgment against them, being mm-hmm. like, oh man, I'm weak or exactly. <laughs> you know, those kinds of things, but also like seeing the intelligence in them. Absolutely. And then after that, like the compassion for it. And after that, like the embracing of it. Right. And then certainly come, you know, for me, whether it's with like concussions or all these changes in life, sometimes I'm like, yeah, I'm, I don't feel safe right now. Right. You know, I need to, I don't know, I need to be in nature. I need to be held, or those kinds of things. Right. And knowing like where like there's an appropriate place to do that right. versus not do it. Right. Yeah. I don't go hang out with my rugby buddies and say like, yeah, I'm feeling like really insecure right now. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. 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 But my partner might be a different story. Like, right. that, you know, somebody who I've identified who can hold me and I've found a lot of value and comfort in that. Exactly. And there seems to be more like consciousness around that too. Right. Yeah. I mean, what's coming up around that is it's relational intelligence along with relational responsibility of like, you know, with your rugby buddies. No, this is the agreement of how we're going to relate. And, yeah. and again, to not make it wrong. I'm like, oh, great. This is, this is great that I can do this. I yeah. think that you can relate in that way is, is very valuable and mm. as well as being able to relate in other ways versus right. having only one mode. Right. That's what I see with a lot of my clients, especially like engineer and techie type people. It's like, no, they only like see the world in one way. Yeah. And then 
having an intimate relationship uh, doesn't work if you're approaching it like an engineering problem. Right. Yeah. You can't do <laughs> spreadsheets with relationships per se. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. How much time we're going to spend together today? Right. I got 18 minutes. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And we yeah. have these tasks to accomplish in that 18 minutes. And... Right. Right. Yeah. And that's, I think what I was finding is that things were like almost too objective. Right. Yeah. And that's how like I understood the world, but it's not necessarily how the world, all of the world operates. There's definitely some sectors mm. you know, where it operates that, that way. But, you know, to be an entire person, you know, accessing all of our different parts, emotions, those kinds of things, I, I feel requires some flexibility. Exactly. Yeah. And this is my experience. I, I don't want to place judgment because everyone, you know, might be wired a bit different. Totally. So, I, I 100% agree with you on that. And actually, I wanted to share another thing that's coming up when you asked about my own character strategy that I've had to learn, um, you know, being sensitive um, and then learning how to compensate for that. Like, the more I learned and uncovered about that, it's sort of like uh, sometimes the world can feel kind of overwhelming with all the sensory input. And and so there also has been this uh, need to develop other modes as well as um, you and I have talked about uh, like sweat lodge at times mm. is, is an intense sensory um, experience. Mm. You know, rugby is an intense sensory experience. Um, another thing that's been a part of my life this year is, is running marathons and like running long distances, which the body really goes into a lot of pain. And at least my body did. I think it's a common experience for yeah. <laughs> endurance athletes. Say, so. Yeah, majority. I, I still have this fantasy that there might be some people that it's really easy for. But <laughs> yeah, they're Kenyans and they've been doing it for, for right. years and years. Yeah. yeah. Right. Right. But like learning how to like not be overwhelmed by the sensitivity um, through uh, sweat lodge or for, through other like fasting and vision quest and, and through marathons has right. been something that I've had to work through as well yeah. to, to strengthen. Um, so again, I like what I'm hearing your, your life story has been as well as mine is about balancing these things. Like it's not mm. always about being aggressive and violent, but it's not like that's not a possibility and it's not always about being sensitive, but right. um, you know, you can switch between modes in a way. Yeah. Yeah. I think there's like an awareness that comes along with that, like what our choices are, you know, what they're for and mm. like kudos to you for what you've done, you know, with the marathons that mm. like you've, you've run and the training. Is that like, you really said this to challenge yourself, right? you know, and that like you would endure like great, great pain and, and great, you know, intensity to do this. Right. Um, and you knew what you were chasing, mm-hmm. like you were going for like this sense of accomplishment. Is, is my understanding. I was going this for the experience of, of like, for what's the, it like yeah. to keep going when I don't want to keep going? Right, right. <laughs> and and you were you were like the conductor, right. you know, like of this train. Right. The, you were behind the wheel, you know, you knew where you wanted to go. Yeah. I think some of my experience in rugby was like, I didn't know what the heck I was doing. Mm. I was just going. Whereas like now if I go to a sweat lodge, I know that I'm going there because like I, I want to cleanse. There is like a, a physiological effect of, of detoxing. Mm-hmm. I want to be around other spiritually minded people. Mm-hmm. And then I also want to come out of that and have like that, you know, cathartic release of coming into some cold air, <sighs> having like that big breath and mm-hmm. those kinds of things. And, and also just like the relaxation that comes afterwards before yeah. I think, and I, I would do saunas when I was younger and it was, you know, to like lose weight, you know, pouring water on top of like the hot rocks and those kinds of things, but having conversations in like the, 
in like the steam room or the sauna with other people about like how much did you bench press, you know, mm-hmm. like uh, what are you training for, bodybuilding, those kinds of things. And then I didn't, I knew what I was doing, but at the same time, didn't really know what I was doing. Right. Yeah. Right. Which I, I want to advocate for is a, is a very valid experience as well. Like I am a fan of the mystery and the unknown. And um, it reminds me of a story of like, you know, I, I TA'd for Hakomi for a number of years after I graduated. And so I think I'd been around the Boulder Hakomi circle for about six years. And when I decided to leave, um, Melissa, the lead trainer, you know, was honoring some of us TAs that had been around for a while. And and she said to me, I always have this sense of you that you're like a little bit like, I don't quite know how I got here or what I'm doing here, but I'm going to make the most of it. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> and at first it like really stung. You're like, that's a really deep observation that I wasn't uh-huh. aware of in myself. Yeah. And then I was like, that's true. And, <laughs> and I think that, uh, First, I thought of it as a character defect, mm-hmm. and then I was like, "No, that's actually really positive." Of like, yeah. like kind of the the counterbalance of what you just said. Sometimes I do things really intentionally, and sometimes I'm like, "What's going on here? I yeah. don't know. What uh-huh. am I going to get out of this?" And then then I discover really amazing things. Yeah, out of it. yeah. So it's sometimes both. I like splashing in a puddle just because I like splashing in a puddle. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> <Exactly. laughs> it's fun. Yeah. I don't need to analyze that. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And I think that's yeah. some like the balance in life too. Right. You know, you get, and that's something I've, I've been finding in that. Like once I have like these outlets for processing, you know, if it's emotions or memories, those, you know, if it's friendships, those kinds of things and great, I have those outlets. And if I need to eat some ice cream, I'm going to go eat some ice cream. Exactly. You know, just cause like <laughs> it feels good at times. So, exactly. but I also think like depriving myself from, you know, like these other parts of me that need to be expressed. Right can also create an imbalance. Absolutely. So like needing a level of intentionality and also, you know, like just enjoying a Netflix, you know, film mm-hmm. just because it's a Netflix film. Mm-hmm. That's Absolutely. great. Absolutely. I agree. Yeah. 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 It's it's reminding me of what we were talking about earlier with parenting, um, of actually having this real deep listening of like what's really needed here rather mm. than having these rigid, oh, ice cream is bad. Netflix is bad. I'm never going to do ice cream or Netflix. But mm-hmm. if it's time for ice cream, have ice cream. If it's time right. for Netflix, have Netflix. If it's time yep. for meditation, do meditation. Right. If it's time for ceremony, do ceremony. Yeah. If it's time for therapy, do therapy. But not to do just any one all the time. Right. Yeah. 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 And on that parenting side, I, you know, some of the issues that I've been addressing in myself are like those social influences. Mm. Yeah. Is that like Mm -hmm. I was playing rugby, you know, to, to gain favor and relationships or, you know, gain friends or partying because that's what like the norm was. Mm -hmm. So I was like, man, I wasn't being authentic to myself or genuine to myself and people shouldn't do that. They should know themselves, but that's, that's actually like a real force in life. Right. And sometimes like that feeling of belonging. I also have like some, some charges around food and highly processed foods and mm-hmm. things like that. And that's come up in parenting. Mm-hmm. But like my kids sometimes just need to go to a pizza party. Right. You know, and and watch, you know, um, I don't know, some kind of show or play some video games so that they feel that that belonging. Exactly. And and just being okay with that has been has been work of my own. Right. Along with that. Right. I mean, it, it would be ideal if, if all of the world and provided healthy, nutritious food at all the places and we didn't have all these things. Yeah. 
but it's not the world we live in. And right. it takes, I believe, a lot of courage to embrace the world as it is. Mm -hmm. and, 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 and like you said, not get so judgmental of like social influences um, because social influences led you to a lot of experiences that taught you really valuable lessons. Right, right. That yeah. if you were, oh no, I'm not going to play rugby because I'm doing it only for this girl and right. only to get the ego gratification. Uh -huh. You never would have had those experiences. Totally, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and that's that's again been part of the healing process. Yeah, yeah, and um, that's you know where where my life is in medicine. Mm -hmm. You know exactly, and to to take all of those as learning lessons, and and having gratitude for them, mm -hmm. and letting some of them go, you know, or sure. just having you know a different focus in life, but knowing that's all part of me, right? Um, instead of saying like this is who I am constantly throughout life. Right. It's, it's constantly changing. It's constantly changing. Yeah. 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 It might be boring if it was the same all the time. <laughs> I don't totally. know, at least for me. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. And also find like in that balance, like that content versus like who I am versus like also that desire to change and grow. Right. Yeah. Right. We need both. Uh, you know, like it's... Uh, the. Carl Rogers said the curious paradox is only will I, when I fully accept myself as I am that I'm free to change. Mm. And if like, if you're just totally content of like, Oh yeah, I'm perfectly good. Exactly how I are, how I am. Like yeah. then we don't change. <laughs> right. And if it's like, Oh no, I suck the way I am and I've got to be this other thing. Mm -hmm. We also don't change because we're fighting who we are. Right. 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 Yeah. And then there can be those times that are like, you know, really big change. Mm -hmm. And then other time in cruising and mm -hmm. just saying like, all right, maybe I need to just deepen the study as to like who I am right now. Right. Yeah. Or collect my resources because like there's going to be another big change coming. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 I was like even getting into like this more, I don't know if it's considered esoteric space of therapy and things like that. Looking at things like human design and astrology. Mm -hmm. It's more from a place of curiosity and saying like, oh, I wonder what like the stars have right now. Right. You know, or like, I don't know, if, if Mars is in retrograde or something mm -hmm. like that. I wonder, like, how does that really show up? Mm -hmm. Not to, like, necessarily live my life by it, but just to say, like, oh, man, there there could be some similarities in that. Mm. Uh, and sometimes using that as, like, uh, a cue to, to either relax or be active. Right. Yeah. Hmm. Feels like a big departure from where I was before. Yeah, I yeah. guess what I'm hearing is maybe it's like a, a willingness to have some curiosity about it. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. I also didn't hear you coming across very dogmatic of like, oh no, human design is the way. Oh yeah, astrology is the thing. Totally. Yeah, no, I'm finding like there's an entertainment yeah. in it and, and yeah. a value in it. Right. Too. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think we've been on quite a journey so far, um, mm -hmm. covered a lot of really fertile and potent ground here. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, I always like to lean back into experience. And so I just want to ask again, is there any experiences or stories that have come up along the way, you know, that are still maybe in your consciousness through our conversation that feel like they might need to be shared or want to be shared here? Hmm. I appreciate even just like the, the pause to check in on that. Yeah.
Yeah, I think to answer that isn't necessarily a specific experience, but a collection of experiences where I didn't know what was going to happen. Mm. Um, and it continues to come up, but maybe more of just like the feeling as to like, I'm going to move states or I'm going to leave a career or I'm starting a relationship and I don't have all the answers. But like that there is like a real strong pull to go in a certain direction mm. that has yielded some like the best experiences, some of like the most difficult experiences, but also some of the best ones in my life um, that they come away from like the calculating, um, knowing what the next steps are mm -hmm. um, that have, I don't know, continue to shape, you know, who I am and um, experiencing that, that now in different ways and maybe it's either in my private practice uh, so like it, it's not necessarily flourishing mm -hmm. and it's like also providing me so much time to deal with the effects of concussions mm. to visit my kids in south dakota and to you know have quality time with them um and i think to many people's or sometimes even like my own past analysis of like where i am in life mm-hmm It'd be like, oh, like you're you're almost forty one years old and you're not fully established. And I definitely have judgment against myself for that. Mm. That like I, I should be further along. You know, I have friends who are doing very well financially and professionally and relationally. Um, and that comparisonitis that comes mm -hmm. up. It goes, Oh man, I should be there. And then I also look at that like imposter, you know, that story of saying like I, I'm not where I should be. Mm -hmm. and saying like, no, I'm exactly where I should be. Yeah. I'm, I'm finding myself, I'm finding the people where I really feel myself around or where I can be myself around mm -hmm. the activities that I enjoy doing. And maybe that is around spirituality. Maybe it is around movement. Maybe it is around being in nature or being with my kids. Um, and like, yeah, just finding like what my truth is and like what's true to me. I, I feel like that can be overused sometimes, like what's my truth, but with like my felt sense of like, I don't know, being authentic. Mm -hmm. And for all I know, there's, I'm sure there's people who go their entire life and you know, maybe until like their late stages of life that may have, may have not had that experience. Right. And on the flip side, there's people who, you know, had that self-realization at like the age of 12. Mm -hmm. And they're just like, you know, so confident as to who they are. So, yeah, some of this, going back to like this unknowingness and this experience and like the uncertainty, uh, also finding that this is like, this is perfect. Everything is happening exactly as it should. Yeah. 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 When you say not established, what does that even mean? Hmm. Yeah. I think this, I'm so glad you asked because I think this goes back to like some of the external validation of like homeowner, right? You know, like large income, new car, you know, and travel plans, uh -huh. those kinds of things. Yeah. Um, and in in many markers, I think that could be you know validated, that like not established, and in other markers, it could be like no, like look at you doing great. Yeah. You got some great friends, you know, like living in a great part of the world. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And, you know, I, like 
when you think when you shared the story of the guy in New Zealand and you're talking about like the people that really know who they are, mm-hmm. like I mean that seems like established, right, to me. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I mean I don't know your financial situation or, um, you know your home status or when you travel or anything mm-hmm. like that, you know. But like you appear to me and you feel to me as a pretty solid guy. Mm-hmm. Like I certainly have known plenty of people that, you know, are not established in that, that, you know, they, they don't work and, you know, they barely have a vehicle that runs and, um, and they don't know who they are. Like everything feels up in the air, you yeah. know? Um, and, uh, so I'm glad that you were able to catch yourself and realize that actually that was a comparison to, mm-hmm. to friends and to social markers around finances and house and car and things yeah. like that. Yeah. 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 Even in, in like that probe, it helps me think of like, where are the places where I am finding like that confidence and certainty? Yeah. You know, and, and some of it could be as simple as like knowing the lake that I like to go, where I like to go camp. Yeah. You know, or like the cities I like to go visit or the activities I like to do with my kids. Right. And the activities that they like to do as well. Right. And, um, yeah, just some of like the core values that I'm holding. And I feel like the more that I embrace them, the more even like the world comes to me or like these different opportunities. Mm-hmm. And that I just, as I find those things that are, you know, in alignment with how I like to experience the world, that like the, uh, just the more abundance there is there. Right. So enjoying that. And and for me too, like, and, and I don't feel like this is too far off the mark for you, Alex, back to something you said at the very beginning of our conversation, you know, perhaps being established also is, is being able to be in this intersection of the chaos and the mystery and the unknown and feeling solid enough <clears throat> in that. Yeah. 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 And, and some of that feels the, like the pendulum swings kind of between right. or has swung. You know, and that like there was so much on control mm-hmm. in the past. And then like a big release of it, you know, like moving across the country, don't know many people, but feels right. Yeah. And then it's kind of like coming back in the other way, maybe settling a little bit. Yeah. Where it's like, yeah, there's some things I don't know about. And there's some things that I do know a lot about. So just finding, finding the stillness in that, finding the acceptance of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Oh, beautiful. Anything else you want to share before we close? Hmm. I think a uh, big ambition of mine that I'm finding is to like help other people in this work. Mm. Um, not only, you know, the adults who might be going through this, but also like, um, maybe the adults ability to interact with their children to help them, Mm-hmm. Uh, find more of like this sense of confidence and security, self-awareness, self-realization kind of right. thing. And um, I think some of that was lacking or my experience with some of that was lacking in my childhood. And I think many others uh, childhood as well. Right. So um, yeah, just an invitation. If other people are feeling called to that, yeah, um, they can contact me either through my website, which is wholesome therapies. Mm-hmm. Um, all the social media places, yeah, things like that too. But um, yeah, just also again express gratitude that you're providing this platform, mm. you know, to to give and a chance for people to tell their story, 
um, have people feel like they're not alone mm-hmm. in, in what their experience is. And I'm sure there's many people that will listen to this that won't connect with what I'm saying. And even if there is like one or two that say like, wow, I'm not the only one. I feel like it goes a, a really long distance. So yeah. I feel even like your podcast is great medicine. So oh. thank you for that. <laughs> thank you, Alex. Yeah, I yeah. appreciate that. Yeah, that's what I I hear from from people here and there is that like, yeah, just listening to other people's stories does have that effect. It is medicine and you know, puts people in a reflective state of mind and, um, and, and is helpful whether they relate or not relate, um, you know, directly to the story. It does seem to have that effect. So mm-hmm. do hope that people continue to have that. And I, I, I trust that people will have that. I heard of so much resonance of my own story and your story, even though I was not an engineer in New York city and mm. <laughs> I didn't play rugby and, and mm. that sort of thing, you know, like, um, definitely connected on some universal experiences there. Yeah. So I too, am really grateful for your story. Um, Alex, thanks so much for coming on. Uh, thanks for your gratitude. Um, I think I just want to, uh, close by really honoring you for your, journey and and what I perceive in you to be like a, a really solid, grounded uh, man who's willing to also open him up, open himself up to the unknown and sensitivities and following that guidance of, of his soul and what feels really meaningful and valuable to you. It, it really takes a ton of courage um, to do and, and and your life hasn't been easy you know, it, it literally like broke your body at times and 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 and, uh, and uh, left you with some some wounds um, but you continue to keep going and trying to do something in the world and mm-hmm. um, when you're talking about fathers and sons and your desire there I was just thinking about how just continuing to show up um, really makes a huge difference and, and showing up and sharing yourself makes a huge difference. And so mm-hmm. thanks so much for showing up and sharing yourself. Yeah. My pleasure. Thanks for the opportunity. Yeah. Thank you for listening to my life is the medicine. We hope our guest story this week has inspired you to look closer at your own life. Maybe you heard some of your own story and their story through many of these experiences are common, ordinary experiences. And maybe something about their story was unique, which also might have inspired you to think about how your life, too, is unique. Either way, we hope our story today has helped you to see that your life, too, is the medicine. If you'd like to consider diving deeper into your own story and sharing your story with others, we hope you might consider joining us on a future episode. And if not, that's okay, too. We hope you'll continue listening, keep reflecting, and help you see how your life, too, is the medicine. Take good care, and we'll see you next time.